childlike generosity. It's powerful. When you give, not only are you releasing what you have, you're also releasing the control of what is done mm. with what you have. Right. Wow. And when you're a Sheesh. kid, you don't think about that. A pastor turned tech leader and a millennial churchgoer explore the intersection of technology, culture, and faith equipping you with innovative strategies to support you as you live out your calling, lead your churches with confidence, and step into the future together. This is the Give It Up Podcast. Okay, Vance, so I feel like the church talks often about childlike faith. Yeah. It's beautiful. But I actually want to talk about an offshoot of childlike faith, which is childlike generosity. little remix. little remix. (laughs) Yes, and I actually have to start by sharing my first story of generosity in my life. Okay. Because it really, I think, set the tone for how I am as an adult. Because I was seven years old, and I had just gone to this new church with my family. Mm. And I was in the kids' ministry. And up on the screen, they played this video. Now, granted, this is pre-Tom Shoes. Okay. They played this video of kids in Haiti without shoes. Right. And it was like this really moving two, three-minute video of like, look at the bare feet. Look at them running. But I remember like being gripped at seven years old, like looking, looking at my own shoes, being like, how is this possible? Right. I've never seen another human being without shoes at this point in my life. So I went home that day because they ended that video by saying, guess what? Next week as a kids ministry, we're going to have an opportunity to raise money to buy kids in Haiti shoes. Wow. And I was like, Yes. Let's go. Because I'm like counting all the shoes I have. And I was like, this is a problem. I need right, to help. Right, right, so right. I go home. Because you were, are you a sneakerhead at that time? or I mean, it was almost prophetic at that point that I would <laughs> one day be a sneakerhead. But yes. Yep, yep. So I tell my parents, I'm like, I'm so excited. We're going to give to this next week. And they're like, oh, that's awesome, Zoe. I go upstairs cool. and I go to my piggy bank, which was one of those jumbo Crayola crayons. Yeah. Do you know what these look like? Yeah, of course. They're like literally four feet tall, <laughs> which is as tall as me at seven. Yeah. And I pop the cap off of it and I look down the barrel and I'm like, yeah, that's going to be perfect. Put it back on. Fast forward a week. That Sunday morning, I shoot wide awake. Okay. Because I'm so excited because I know what today is. And so I lug my crayon filled with coins down the stairs and try and go out to the car. And my mom stops me. She's like, oh my gosh, so what are you doing? I was like, mom, I'm giving. I'm bringing my piggy bank with me to give for these kids in Haiti. Wow. And she's like, well, we don't need to bring the whole crayon. Right. We could put it in a bag. Yeah. Which I was like, <laughs> I guess that is less extra. <laughs> so we fill up this like gallon Ziploc bag and it is probably 20 pounds of coins. I mean, this thing was like too busting at the seams. So now I walk into church like I just robbed a bank of only its coins and I drop it on the seat and like slide down under my chair and I'm so pumped for this giving moment. And then the moment finally comes and I see, I let everybody else go first, not to cause a scene, of course, is my thinking. (laughs) So these kids are dropping in like 50 cents, a dollar, like no doubt, surely what their parents gave them. It's like, here's your tithe You're about to make it rain. And I wait till the end. I like carry my 20 pound bag up and so stupidly, instead of just putting it in there, I open the bag, dump all of it out and coins are shooting everywhere. They're like bouncing (laughs) off of the bucket. 
I love it. And it's like overflowing. No yeah, pun intended. Come on. And the pastor stops the service. Yes. He goes, wait, wait, wait a second here. Yes. What's going on here? He's like looking right at me and he hands the mic to me. And I was like, I, I'm giving for the shoes. And he was like, how much is this? And I was like, it's all that I have. Wow. And I found out later it was probably $70 worth of coins so that I gave to that. And it literally was all that I have. Wow. Talking about this today, if I was so compelled by a vision and a mission that I drained my bank account, yeah. it would not be all that I have. Yeah. Because of how wealth is diversified in non-cash assets today. Yeah, yeah. But it's this concept of kids feeling the security to know I can give everything because my daddy has yeah. got me. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. You know, and I think about stories you tell. Tell about the story of the kids whenever you guys were raising for the Vive campus. Yeah, I mean, when we were looking to raise $8 million in 45 days, um, <laughs> we appealed to a few billionaires and we raised zero from them, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, that's another podcast and another story for another day. But it was so crazy because- Kids in our church, like little girls starting lemonade stands, were raising thousands of dollars and more generous than some adults in some households. I love that childlike generosity. I mean, it's powerful. It's really, really powerful. That story is powerful. And I was even just getting um, in the fields a little bit to, to think that you had that childlike generosity, that childlike faith to empty everything and even be able to share that testimony in front of the whole church. I'm sure that inspired so many people. And I even just think about the words of Jesus, right? Like if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you have to have childlike faith. Right. Um, and if you even hinder anything like that, he's actually like, it would be better for you to put something on your neck so heavy that you would float to the bottom of the ocean, right. which is like, right. I don't know. People think that Jesus was a pacifist, but like he was pretty <laughs> savage sometimes. Um, and so I just, I get so impacted by that. I mean, we've seen it in our community and, and every time that I reflect and I meditate on this teaching, mm-hmm. um, every time I interact with it actually happening in real life, uh, I get moved. I get compelled. Why we lost that? That's, that's what, like how, yes, maybe there's more bills. Yes. There's more responsibility for you, but it's almost like the moment that you feel the responsibilities on you, yeah, you lose that. Yeah. There is an element to where, when you are of that age of that mindset, unadulterated by the world, you are in this phase of life where I had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Relatively speaking, yeah, right? And right. so when you step into more responsibility, when you step into um, more assets, when you step into dependence, mm-hmm. you have like actual people that depend on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, do, you do have to reckon with the fact that now you have something to lose. And so I think that's part of it. Yeah. I do also think that across developing uh, from child-like to adolescence, to adulthood, there is this progression of jadedness. <laughs> For sure, yeah. That you go on. Yeah. I don't know, what, what's your experience? Yeah, I mean, I would say that when you realize that the weight of things getting done now rests on you mm. and not somebody else, it 
it really pulls that out of frame. But that's the thing is like, I always try and challenge myself of like, wait, no, it doesn't. Mm. No, God, God is in all things. Yes. Not just like some things. If I invite him into every part of my life, then he's in all things. And, but it's really hard to kind of keep grasping that. And quite honestly, I think we make it too complex. Right. Like if a seven-year-old can be compelled to give everything they have, it was that simple. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I stand alone in that. Like you're talking about these girls in their lemonade stands. Like there is something that children understand about giving that is not only so inherent, it's so simple. Yeah. And I think of, you know, like companies like Apple who make things simple. Oh, I like that. I have a, (laughs) my best friend's son is two years old and knows how to FaceTime me. Wow. That's terrifying, actually. (laughs) But the fact that they can understand green, red, (laughs) call, hang up, Mm -hmm. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. How, How can the church, how can tech companies, how can we create a movement mm-hmm. to make generosity and the complex thought of giving simple once again. Yeah. I mean, some of it is actually in the technology, right? It's uh, creating user interfaces. It's creating user experiences that remove the barriers. Yeah. Uh, especially if we want to capitalize on the fact that people interact with their phones, people interact with marketplaces and products already today Yeah. Um, in a certain way. We shouldn't resist against that. We should try to leverage that. We should try to leverage all the innovation and technology that have been invested, billions and billions of dollars invested by tech companies like Apple to train society in a certain way to be able to get things done on their phone, whether it's work or personal or uh, purchasing things online. And so as easy as it is to now consume on the internet, to consume on an online platform, to consume through an app, it should be that easy to be able to give. I mean, overflow, we're innovating every day, right? Eventually, um, and actually not into the far distant future, you're going to be able to uh, give in so many ways. Apple Pay, Venmo, you know, all these things that you are already using in your day-to-day. Why isn't that present in some of our giving apps and some of our applications that we're inviting people to use to be able to be generous towards our organization. I think the spiritual dynamic is what you said though. How do we continue to remind people and refresh people yeah. in the fact that it's as simple as that childlike faith you once had. That childlike faith, if you did come from a good family and you had trust in your parents, you had a good father, right? And even if you didn't, to remind yourself that the reason you're a believer from the first place yeah. was because of this revelation that you do have a heavenly father. A father that has your name reserved at his table in heaven. Like you literally have a reservation at the nicest restaurant. It's called heaven. Like yeah. at, at the most bougie, like, you know, I, I heard like, I think the streets are gold and luminescent yeah. and, you know, all that type of stuff. Like, like this is like nothing that we've ever experienced and and God has reserved that, but not only reserved it for a time and a place and a season and a destination, but even Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that the, the, the richness and the abundance and the provision and the protection that exists in heaven that we read about exists on earth 
as well. Yeah. That that we have that bridge because of Jesus. And if we can just remind ourselves and refresh ourselves in the simplicity of that fact that, mm-hmm. oh man, okay, he's not just a father, but he's a good father. Yeah. He's a father that wants to bless me. He, I'm not a beggar mm-hmm. anymore. There's a story um, in the New Testament about a blind beggar at the bottom pretty much of the planet in Jericho, mm-hmm. right? Because at that time, actually even today, it's below sea level, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a blind beggar at the bottom of the planet. Well, wow. He's crying out for Jesus. Jesus, son of David, would you have mercy on me, right? He couldn't see. Yeah. He couldn't see. Um, but 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 he he cries out to Jesus and the son, so son of David, right? The son of man, Mm. it's language used for the Messiah. It's language used for Jesus in this story. The son of man stops in his tracks. And then all of a sudden the blind beggar makes his way towards Jesus. And, you know, ultimately, if you know this story, he gets healed, right? He, yeah. he takes off his cloak. He runs to Jesus. He 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 gets healed. What's so interesting about this story is that, you know, Jericho, if you're familiar with this town, um, it's also the place hundreds of years earlier where Joshua, mm. <laughs> where Joshua actually circled this town yeah. because it was fortified and God had promised this town to them. And similar to the blind beggar um, shouted, right? And we know uh, in the Old Testament, the walls fall down on the way to their promise. But even within the story of Joshua, there's another moment where they're battling and they're winning. And Joshua prays to God, God, would you, would you, uh, actually have the sun stand still because we really want to solidify this victory. And the first time ever recorded in history, the sun (laughs) stands still. Yeah. What's so crazy about that, that that was literally in the same place Mm. that this blind beggar shouts to Jesus, who is the sun Joshua, which is in Hebrew, Yeshua, which is another name for Jesus, he yells and the physical sun stands still so they could solidify the victory. Wow. Hundreds of years later in the same place in Jericho, a blind beggar shouts, yells in faith and the sun, not not the astronomical sun, but the son of man, the son of God stands still. I don't know what's more of a miracle. Dang. If the sun standing still, like literally like the sun and the moon, the sun standing still, or the son of man, the son of God stopping in his tracks mm. because he cares about a blind beggar. It's powerful. <laughs> wow. There's nothing that you can do for God to love you more. There's nothing that you can do for God to love you less. The same way he can make the sun and the stars stand still. The same way that he can send Jesus to this planet and get stopped in his tracks for a blind beggar is the same way he can provide for your finances. Mm -hmm. 
It's that simple. Totally. You have yeah. a good father that spans generations, that spans circumstances, that spans history and science, that spans uh, difficulties and trials, yeah. that spans across all of these things. And when he went on that cross, the Bible informs us is that he didn't go there just for an event. He went there to abolish your sin, past, present, and future, so that when he abolished that sin, you can now be a son. Mm. You can now be a daughter. It all is that simple. If you actually grab that and continue to remind yourself and refresh yourselves in that, and you know that, man, my father, he's a good father. He has provision. He has protection. Um, then you can actually live out, not just when you're five or 10 or 12, but maybe when you're 35, 55. I hope when I'm 75, I can have childlike <laughs> generosity. I can have childlike faith. Same. And I, I think one of the big concepts around it that I was just thinking about as you were talking is releasing control. Because mm. when you give not only are you releasing what you have, you're also releasing the control of what is done mm, with what you have. Right. Wow. And when you're a Sheesh. kid, you don't think about that. You don't care. You're mm-hmm. just like, I just see an issue. I want to meet the need. Like right. I remember like one of the first times I saw a homeless person, like when kids see homeless people for the first time, they aren't afraid of them. Mm. They're like, oh man, someone needs help. It's usually the parents that pull them in tighter because they're not sure right. of the situation. Whereas- God is telling all of us, like, let's go meet the needs. Like, right. give the control to me. I'll handle the rest. And I think that's, it's really gripping when you think about how often we actually need to practice giving up control. And- I love that because, you know, a lot of people will hear that and be like, oh, well, Zoe, it's because of drugs. Or, hey, right. Zoe, right. Um, you know, what they actually do. And, you know, at the end of the day, especially if you're a father or a mother, you're a parent, who cares about your politics in that moment, right? Right. If you have a chance to model to your son, to your daughter that doesn't know anything about anything, mm-hmm. why not model generosity? Right. Why, why not just take an up? What, what's a dollar to you? Totally. Right. What, what's a couple bucks in that situation? Because it's so much more than your politics. It's about the purpose and what you're trying to develop in the next generation. Absolutely. And even if somebody else isn't impacted by it, you're going to be impacted. There you go. See? By Love being that. generous. Like I remember my brother, when we were on a missions trip to Los Angeles years ago, we saw a homeless person um, on Hollywood Boulevard. And my brother was adamant because we weren't on the mission trip. We were not allowed to give out physical cash to them. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, I want to buy this guy a meal. McDonald's was right next door. Yeah. He came up to the guy. He's like, I'm going to buy you a dinner at McDonald's, what do you want? He said, I don't want anything. Yeah. I want money. Yeah, sure. So he's like, all right, I'm going to just buy him and whatever. Yeah. Give it to him. Puts it down. The man literally gets up, walks it to the trash can, throws it away. Oh, wow. And puts his sign back up. Okay. And we were all like so shaken up by yeah, this. We're sure. like, how did he just like, how disrespectful? My brother's like, I don't care. Yeah. It wasn't like, that's not on me. Right. Like God told me to be generous. I'm not paying attention to what the guy told me to do. I'm doing what God told me to do. Good. And I'm like, man, God is telling us to trust him. God is telling us to give up control. God is telling us to honor with the tithe. Yeah. Are we going to choose that obedience? 
Yeah, it's so good. And you know, if you're leading a church, if you're a senior church leader, a pastor, executive pastor, I think some of the times that we're leading people, we make things so complex when it's actually so simple, not easy. Right. Not easy. Right. But the word of God is not meant to be confusing. Mm. There is complexity. I mean, the word of God is is something that you could be studying your whole life. But there are certain specific and simple truths that might not be easy, but should be taught Mm. with as much clarity. And in clarity, there is so much energy. You know, when people get a revelation about something when when God starts, you know, scaling, uh, the Bible talks about scales on your eyes. Yeah. When those start falling and, you know, somebody gets the simple revelation of grace or, or the simple revelation of generosity, if they just start applying, and, and that that's the thing, right? We can't just preach at people. We got to make it practical. Yeah. And that's actually what sets people free. Totally. Right? Faith without works is literally, James says, dead. dead. And so we can't just preach faith. We need to show faith. Mm -hmm. We need to make it so practicable, so applicable. What we say at our church is we want Sundays to preach to your Mondays. We want this to be something that you leave a Sunday service that you can apply straight in your home. You can apply straight with your family. You can apply straight with your finances and I think that's something that we need to go back to. A lot of times people think that pastoring is a fancy pulpit and a fancy preach and you got your alliterated points and, you know, things are flowing and things are rhyming and things are, you know, and, and, but at the end of the day, if they didn't do it, you didn't build anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. If you didn't influence an action, right. If you didn't influence an application, the community literally didn't grow. You just had a good stand-up comedy routine. Um, And there's nothing wrong in humor and there's nothing wrong in making sure that words flow so that they could be caught and that they could be carried and they can be remembered. I'm all for that. I try to pride myself in working on my craft to be in order. But at the end of the day, what are we building? We want to build childlike dependence on God. Yeah. Not creating childish Christians, Mm. but creating people with childlike faith to remember that, hey, they have a good father. They have somebody that can supply all of their needs. And sometimes that childlike faith is the most mature thing that you can do. Thanks so much for listening to the Give It Up podcast. If you want to receive even more insights on church innovation, culture, and giving, Now you can sign up for free to be an Overflow Insider, where you'll receive exclusive content, discounts, direct access to Vance Roush to get your questions answered, and also invite-only access to our monthly fundraising leadership forums. Head to overflow.co backslash insider, or just click the link in our bio to sign up for free today. In order to get this podcast in the ears of even more church leaders, could you please subscribe and leave a review for the show? This tells the podcast players what people are enjoying and want to hear more of. And we are adamant about providing maximum value to even more church leaders. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.